Um, there's some policy change that happens. Typically with monetary today. policy, i.e. interest rates, Worship you or taxes seem to be the biggest killers of economic expansions or bull markets. Well, the reality as it is, is we have ultra-low interest rates, we have some of the lowest taxes in decades, we have low unemployment, we still have low inflation, so for there at least in the short term to be a big recession or a big economic downturn, would be very difficult My little brother, given Matthew, the economic environment has, that exists. Uh, it's not saying that something uh, in that formula cannot change. It will change flyers. at some point in time. Johnny Heights writes it earlier. You have to like, be prepared, like, like being a Boy Scout. Be prepared for whatever. All 12 to 16 year olds are welcome. Even be prepared for guys a possible worst case scenario, but plan for a best case. Goes on every Sunday. Things are going to go every Sunday. Bad. But if it is starts at 9:30 sharp, you know you've got things covered. And then so at 10:30. So you approach things from a realistic regular point, knowing the market's going to go up, knowing the market's regular going to go down. Regular morning down. worship time is at 10:45. The income plan is the big thing. It's the sequence of withdrawals. It isn't how much the market's up or down. It's how much the market is up or down in the exact specific to your withdrawals. If you have right talked about sequence of returns a little bit and how that impacts a retirement plan regardless of what the market's doing. Yeah, so the sequence of returns, that basically means when you have losses in accounts. So if you're working, it doesn't matter if you have, say, a $100,000 account. It doesn't matter Take advantage of this. The market has returns. It could have good returns at the beginning, good returns in the middle, good returns at the end. You can rearrange the numbers however you want. And that's kind of a weird math thing. But you can rearrange the numbers when you're in saving and growing mode, however you'd like. You can put the losses at the new beginning, series. at the middle, at the end, good markets. You can rearrange about the like book of said, judges. what years are good, what years are bad. And you end up with the exact legends same amount of legends money in the end. And that's kind of the, However, well, that is kind of that's the title. Once you start taking of the money, you know, I've always liked out the book of Judges account. because of the, the classic one of the Bible characters that you find. The, the, the largest people like impacts off onto off. whether or not okay. your money is Nobody going to, to last. So uh, Gideon, Deborah, and towards the beginning that and I remember the first time I studied catastrophic and I'll give you uh, the I found great the example if you were in the S&P 500 we had to if you retired 20 years ago Bible, okay? you would be out of money today uh, if you were taking a 5% withdrawal that went up for inflation each year you would be out of and money today. I when I paraphrase the book of, of Judges, that's going to be the significantly higher return like, than 5% uh, from our point in the last It's not inspired by any stretch but the of the imagination. Is you but uh, what it kind of right uh, says before that to me crash, And I got a different picture of this Now, when so you, you think of a judge, wiped out. So if you, you think of one of two things. And you Either a really fast car, the Pontiac put out, you were taking out five grand. The judge. And you got half of it wiped out. And back in the well, 60s, now you only have 50 uh, grand. If you're taking the same 5,000 out, now you're taking out a 10% withdrawal. 
which means you got to make 10% just to stay even. So if you look really from the tech crash to 2008, you would have pretty much kind of about flat. The guy or lady would have had your account again, then you'd be out of money. Black robe and slams it down with a hammer order in the court. In retirement. That's you a judge. Every day is but the Hebrew a word for judge and you want it to be is swapti. Swapti. Okay, so and it means deliverer or savior. Judges were men and women that God raised up to and, and he anointed the them for the specific purpose of delivering and saving to take people from you are their enemies. In retirement, when you're judges. drawing money, when and as we're going so to see, not all judges filled that assignment. Some of them succeeded pretty well, and still others were outright disasters. Deborah was a wonderful judge. Samson, he was miserable. And, and he did some things that we're going to, we're going to may have find out that were really far, totally disobedient to God. And, and that's why I named this, this uh, series, Leaders, Legends, and Losers. In fact, as we go through this book, we're going to see that there were more losers than there were leaders whether or not you run out of money God raised up. Once you start and with each chapter, out, the judges become increasingly flawed. You may ask, well, why in the world are they in the Bible in that way? Well, you know, you have to understand the Bible shows people as they are, not as we want them to be. It shows them when it comes to taxes as wrinkles and exactly. all. It's a completely different first church I pastored was uh, phase Wanda Bible Church. Phase. Wanda Ellis Wright. And, is a great example that. and, and, and uh, uh, show is called Retirement Team Radio I, and not I had, this church Financial was full of what we talked about uh, all the predictions for 2020 and what may come and how accurate Louis. people have been and not necessarily less than that. Louis yeah. had a beautiful uh, here are voice. Here some things that are true. Uh, not necessarily for 2020, but as like you approach for time, sank through uh, you are going to need income. Wonderful voice. Uncle Sam is going to be a, part of that income as well. That's just how they offer very, very talented a strategy to withstand whatever may come. The election of 2020. And it was high all the time. Uh, the markets, however, they may perform. Having a plan put in place to know that you'll be okay. To know when that, you know, Louis and I have when the market together, does correct itself sober, during your retirement, he would you are still going to be okay. That sequence of returns isn't going to affect you because you've developed a retirement uh, strategy. That's what the retirement oh, team is uh, here for. You can get started with them by scheduling a three-step review. 228 You know, I love Or go online, retiretopeka.com. Right there at retiretopeka.com. There's a link to articles, a two-part article that Ryan has written as a Forrest Brown Boys contributor. Getting the tax man out of your retirement. Hopefully, we'll have time. Pray for more about taxes and retirement. And he never, that he is never right there for you. Retiretopeka.com. And again, you can also reach out with Colin. I love Louie. And he was, he was Let's talk about something in here in 2020 that we the know. The girl that lived next door to us was named Lizzie. Making major changes to the way that we plan for retirement. It's called Lizzie the Lizzie was Act. the town One of the parts is that you can now wait until the age of 72 to start taking your RDDs or required minimum distributions. But they were all regulars. And she lived next door to me. Now, I didn't do Stretch, I, I would say hi to her. I never went inside exactly? her house. But we talked all the time. She'd come to church every now and again. They'll have to withdraw all their money now within 10 years. years. Instead of beneficiaries going out 20, 30, 50, even 80 years, the Secure Bill says 10 years. That's it, with certain exceptions. So that's going to change everything. It's going to change. She thought the only way she could support herself for the prostitution IRAs, the ones with people who did want to have a chunk left for the next generation or even grandchildren. All the planning has to change. Like we said at the beginning of every show, what you thought you knew about your financial Sorry, Dave, future turned out to not be true. And this is a change uh, uh, from 2019. Dave fell in love with It sounds complicated, 
Are we going to have to rethink the problem with the piano player no with Mary to dwell on the idea of handing over a large percentage and, and of their retirement account to the IRS. No one wants to make Uncle Sam the biggest beneficiary of their account, but with the SECURE Act, see, without proper planning, that is exactly what's going to happen. If you look at in future, you know, it isn't a book about sanitized perfect people who always did everything God wanted them to do. I would that, that we would come back to that place where we were able to minister to people like Samir about where we had those those people who were starting out as as losers to have the wonderful gospel of grace transform them miraculously with this would be one change. They are estimating See, the book of Judges in reality is a book of messed up, weak, flawed, and undeserving people that God worked with and was able to rescue them from their worst enemies. So each judge we're going to encounter symbolizes a weakness that God had to save them from. He's the one who ultimately delivers us and equips us for victory in this world. And hopefully by the end of this series, you're going to be convinced of how desperately we need God's help in our lives. The book of Judges begins by looking backwards and then ends by looking, and then, and then through it, looks forward. And Judges 1-1 says, after the death of Joshua, Joshua took over after Moses, the Israelites asked the Lord which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites. They didn't have a clue what they should do. And Joshua was Moses' successor, and he, was only, he and Caleb were the only two guys that were able to enter the promised land of that original wandering around for 40 years. And, and it's, it's this is going to in, the, in the book of Joshua, we see God keeping his promises and bringing the nation, Israel, back into the land of promise. And, and it's a whole book dedicated to the teaching that since God always keeps his promises, we can obey and worship him without reservation. We don't have to worry about it because God never reneges. Judges tells the history of how God's people failed to receive their inheritance, how how they failed to turn the promised land into God's land, how they, instead of changing their culture, they let the culture change them. They were assimilated into the world, and instead of changing the world, something we're in jeopardy, it's something that we were in jeopardy of doing today. So they became the world rather than changed the world. Judges spans the time between Joshua and, and King Saul around 1200 B.C. And the land God gave his people was pretty tough. So there were people and tribal groups and whole cities that, that were in the land already. And God says, this is your land. So they had to go in and they had to take the land. And that's where we get a lot of the tremendous battles that we, that we see. And, and because of that, God's people faced the choice of either looking to God as their Lord or following the spirit of their age. To beneficiaries. This is a wealth See, transfer tax. It's, it's that we're going to go along to get along. And we have a lot in common with them because we have to make those same choices today. Am I going to do and act the way the world wants me to act? Am I going to do and act the way God expects me to act? Am I going to be obedient to God or am I going to... Am I going to... Am I going to serve the world? You make the choice. 
Am I going to accept the value system and ideals of this world, or am I going to march to the beat of the drummer, Jesus Christ? Am I going to be God's man, God's woman, or am I going to just try Can't be criticized. You just try to go along to get along. That's big. That's so the Book of Judges is going to no challenge us and teach us how to stand firm in God and, and to wait and reap the rewards that come from following Him. And I think there's four main themes in the Book of Judges that can be summarized by understanding that there's two things that we need, not want, two things that we need and two things that God wants for us. And first of all, we have to understand what our greatest need is. Our greatest need is not what I want, but what God wants. Our greatest need is we need a Savior. We'd all say amen. We understand that. The failure of the judges God raised up teaches us that human saviors will always fail. They always fail. If you're looking to a man or looking to a woman, looking to a personality, to make your life right, to give you direction, it isn't going to work. Whether that Savior is a person, a parent, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, a wife, a husband, even our kids. Or whether it's a thing, our bank account, our savings, a new car, new house. All of them are ultimately going to fail. Now, do you still have, I, I don't know, Todd, was your Mustang your first car? Okay. Does anybody still have their first car? Anybody in here still or still drive their first car? Second car? Third car? You still drive your third car? What is that? That's your third car? Would you ride a bicycle? I don't know. What, we've had like 50 cars. Uh, I traded cars like I trade guns. It's, it's, you, you're never satisfied with one. But I never had room to have them all. But, but they, 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 and, and are any of you living in the same house that you were born in? No, nobody? What? Not you. Hayden's back there waving her hand. Doesn't count. But, but, you know, we don't live in the same house. Usually we don't live in the same house if you're an adult that we were born in. Not, not usually. Those houses get torn down. They, they get into somebody else's possession. The cars rust out. Uh, we, we, we make and lose all kinds of money. All of it fails. And so ju the judges, by their failure to begin to point us to someone beyond themselves. So some of the judges, like Othniel, and he married Oxa. What a girl's name. Oxa. It means charming. Uh, Othniel will show us that God can save through anything, through all. Uh, Deborah teaches us that God can save through many. Gideon. Gideon's going to show us that God can save through a few. Love the story of Gideon, don't you? Talk about. And Samuel, Samson is going to show us how God can even save through one. One man. He lived a wretched life. And what ended up happening to that guy? They cut his hair, put out his eyes, and made him, made him, made him, made him, made him 
grind somebody else's corn. So, guys, be careful of getting a haircut because you're going to go blind. But in the end, it's always been God's plan to save us by sending His Son. So Jesus is the one person who can truly save us from our sin and our self-destructive actions. So Judges is going to show us that not only do we need a Savior, but God, second thing, God wants to save us. God wants to meet our greatest need. And if our greatest need has been information, I'm sure He would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, he probably would have sent an engineer. Or, or if, if it had been money, he would have sent us a banker. If it had been pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. But that wasn't what our greatest need was. He never gives up trying to bring us to himself. He offers grace to people who don't deserve it, seek it out, or even appreciate it when they get it. And we're a lot like that. Do you, do you consciously, daily, think about the grace God's riches at Christ's expense. I really don't like that but it's, it fits. Our un, unmerited, undeserving favor of God we don't deserve it. Yet he gives that to us. Do you think about that? So the judges are pretty good to start out with but they progressively get worse. For example, I always thought that Samson and Gideon were heroes. They turned out to be zeros. But then they turned out to be heroes again. Many of Samson's accomplishments were blatant acts of disobedience. He was always getting into trouble by looking after Philistine women. I don't know what it was about those Philistine chicks, but he certainly liked them. Rather than his following his parents' lead and say, hey, we got we got some cool women right here in our own backyard, Sam. Go check out Axa. She's charming. No, 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 no. I'm going to go down there with the wild and loose Philistine women. And he did, and he always got in trouble. He was selfishly motivated, and he only cared about what he wanted, very little about God's calling on her. That's a huge, huge calling, and we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Gideon wasn't the courageous spiritual leader I just thought he was. In fact, before he's even dead, the Israelites are worshiping an idol that he made. Rascal. Yet somehow, God is in charge no matter how bad it looks. And as we go through this book, we're going to be tempted, you're going to be tempted to ask, well, where is God in all this? He set up these judges. He knew that they were going to be failures. Why did he do that? And, and where is he in all this mess? See, it's really easy for me to, to pray to enlist my, my prayer warriors, and we've got some prayer warriors in this church. It's really easy to do that, to claim God's promises and believe that he's going to work all things out and it's going to be better, but, but the wheels fall off the wagon. I hit my default button. Say, God, when it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out, I say, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. I've been faithful. I've done exactly what you've said, and I've prayed. I've asked you for this deliverance, and what have you done? You've gone the other way. You've failed me, God. You've abandoned me. And the Israelites were, were asking that same question, but let me assure you, just like back then, God never abandons his children. 
It may feel like it. It may look like it. But keep your eye on the horizon because he's going to bring the best for you. He's not absent at all. He's behind the scenes. He's patiently working out his will through weak people more often than not in spite of weak people. We're going to see how he does that through the book of Judges, and we're going to see that no matter what it looks like in my life and in your life, that God's purposes are never thwarted. They're never sidetracked. They are never derailed. Look at the, look at the, the, the book of Genesis and the Garden of Eden. You know, if ever there was a time where you'd think that, that everything was going to, to uh, fail and fall apart, God said, i got a plan. It may take a while to work it out, but I've got a plan, and it's a good plan. In fact, it's the best plan. But he always works it out to the finest detail. The point is that there's only one true Savior. His grace will ultimately triumph over even our stupidest actions. Christians can do some dumb things. So the theme of Judges is we all need saving, and God wants second. God wants to save us, and he will if we simply submit to him and follow his plan for our lives. Then that we need spiritual renewal. We need spiritual renewal. As we study this, this book, God is working through his deliverers to bring about revival and renewal to his people. In fact, if you watch very carefully, you're going to see a pattern emerge. God's, the judges cycle. You know, the Israel sins. God gives them over to the hand of their enemies. Israel ends up serving the enemy for years. Israel brings out, begins to cry out to God for help. God raises up a deliverer, a judge. The Spirit of the Lord gives the judge the power to carry out his plan. The enemy is defeated, which results in rest and peace in the land. But over time, Israel forgets about what God has done. They abandon his will, and Israel does evil. And here we go again. It's a cycle. So I want you to, as I went through this cycle, it may have seemed a little familiar to you because it is. It's a cycle we've all been through. Many of us are maybe in that cycle right now. I don't know what you're going through right now. It may be health. We've got some brothers and sisters that are really struggling health-wise. The man that we prayed for, John, that Jeremy was dealing with, John led him to the Lord. And he's in the very presence of Jesus Christ today. But Jordan asked me to pray for John's family because I said, well, why is that? Well, she's a widow. So we need to pray for this widow. So Jeremy, got another one here to take care of. See, we, gift, we, we drift away from God and we end up in some kind of sinful action and then we start reaping the consequences of our actions. I mean, you choose a bad situation and you think, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and the situation just gets worse. I tell some of the guys, you, you guys and the women you pick, you got a, you got a broken picker. And it causes you all kind of, oh, it looks nice at the beginning. Oh, John, she looks fine. She smells fine. And 
Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Then, the next thing I hear is that this is this spawn of Satan. She may look and smell good, but, but her heart wasn't right. But yet, because of those externals, we choose. And it creates a mess. Or you get, in, you get involved with an unsaved man in a business. And you face financial ruin because God says don't be unequally yoked. Over time, we realize that it's our own rebellion that brought us to the pain we're experiencing, so we cry out to God for help. He delivers us, and maybe it's a financial mess that, that we've made. It could be physical issues that, that we've caused by, by our own negligence or, or bad habits. It could be a marriage problem or relationship. Be a, a knot that we've gotten ourselves tangled into again, and God gets us out of that fix. It's a vicious cycle. He miraculously helps us to defeat the enemy, which, whichever it is, a addiction or a habit or, or fear or unforgiveness. It doesn't go on for it doesn't go on forever. I believe that as a nation, as a community, we we're on the the judges cycle right now. The church is. And we've walked away from God, and now we can see the devastating results in our kids. Abuse of alcohol and drugs, the, the, the crime rate, rampant immorality, rampant immorality, emotional pain that we're seeing in people's lives, the breakdown of the family, because we've gotten away from God. And I hope you see how badly, how desperately we need spiritual renewal, renewal because until we see our, see our need, we're never, we'll never cry out for a solution. You know, it's, it's like a guy that, that had... Uh, bowel problems and he went in for a PET scan because he wouldn't go in to the, to the, for a PET scan because he was afraid of what he might find. And, and so he refuses to let that stranger shove that garden hose up his backside and, and, and check for colon cancer. And colon cancer, by the way, is the number three killer of men today. It's a public service announcement. Men, if you're over 50 years old, you need to go in and get checked. Your insurance covers that. If they're ne never diagnosed, they'll die wondering why they died. You know, why God has abandoned me. You know, so we have to see our need. We have to let God diagnose our sin problem. And I'm not saying if you have colon cancer, it's because of sin. What I am saying is that it's a good example of if we ignore it, it will infect us and kill us. It'll kill us spiritually. The fourth thing is God wants to renew us spiritually. We need a revival. A revival, friends. One of the one of the things that I was that I was asked one time is, Brother John, why don't we have a revival in our church? And I said, Why indeed? <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to bring a revivalist in for three weeks so they can speak to our church. So we can get our people back on the right track. So we can invite the community. I was in a church that, that they brought a, a revival team, two brothers, the Sotera twins. One of them sang and told bad jokes, and the other guy played the accordion. And, and it, it, uh, uh, it wasn't very effective at all. Because we are looking at a thing, a program, people, to bring the re revival. Friends, revival begins inside in our hearts 
Arrivalist, it, it, you, don't, you don't need somebody standing up, stomping their foot, pointing their finger, jumping on the furniture, and, and all these, all these crazy machinations that, machinations that people go through to try and get you to make a decision. Revival is where you come to the place where you're dealing with the sin in your life, a sin problem, a sin pattern in your life, and you're saying, Lord, help. I need to be renewed spiritually. What we find in Judges is the God, the God that allows the people of Israel to be taken over by the enemies, not as a way of to destroy them, but as a way of waking them up, getting them to cry out for salvation. Hebrews says it best. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. You're not going to get holy. You're not going to gain God's favor by not eating pork. You're not going to win God's favor by going to church on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. God doesn't care. He's saying, I want you to go to church. I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. And if it happens to work out at a certain time on a certain day, then that's what we should do. But not get caught up in our, the measure of our spirituality is the wins and the wares and what we eat, what we don't eat, how we dress, how we wear our hair. God isn't impressed with that. Do you think the way he worked in the lives of the Israelites might be the same way he works in our lives today? Could God be doing that in your life? Could he be allowing the pain that you're feeling as a way of waking you up spiritually and getting you to turn to him? I still don't know why I was laid up with this, that, the back thing. I, I, I don't know. You know, and I, and I you know, Lord, if you search me, blessed Holy Spirit, search me for the, the, the sin in my life, if that's what it is. I tease, and the reason that, you know, reason God sometimes brings, brings pain into our life because... It's somebody else's problem. I can't blame this on Sarita. You know, God's doing this to me because, because Sarita, they're sitting here like that. I don't think so. Although I did kind of remind her of that. But maybe it was a time to, her, to rest and teach and get me to talk to people. I had, I had nurses that didn't want to come in because they knew they were going to get a hit of Jesus. That's okay. I think a real, it's a real possibility based on his track record. So today, God's people all over this country are beginning to cry out to God for deliverance from the awful state of affairs they find themselves in. In Romans 5.20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Jerry, you're going to like this. KJV, King Jimmy. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In other words, grace always trumps sin. Always trumps sin. Did you hear me? Grace always trumps sin. And God is never out of control. He's never caught off guard by what's going on. His plan is always outmaneuver sin, Satan's plans. 
He always has a way of escape, a plan of deliverance, just waiting to be put into action. The minute we reach out and take advantage of it, I believe that's when it happens. I believe part of the plan of redemption for this community is through our Awana Club. Every week, kids are learning and hearing about Jesus Christ, about serving Jesus Christ, about serving the local church, about serving one another. Every single week, this is happening. And it blows me away how God is moving to save a whole generation of children who will in turn be used to turn the tide of our country and community. I really believe that. Wringing your hands because of the, of the, of the wretched politicians that are in Washington today. Hey, we need to see these children get saved and pray that they become the godly politicians of tomorrow. I believe that. We need spiritual revival, and God is willing to enable to provide it, but we have to humble ourselves. Sometimes, honestly, we have to hurt enough before we give up and turn to Him. Now that pride, boy, that pride is a, is a tough nut to crack, isn't it? So we need to, we need to hurt enough to turn away from that. And unfortunately, we don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. We don't really like to change. It's painful. But God is so interested in speaking to us that in, in, in us having a personal relationship with Him. He'll use pain to get you to turn to Him. And, and He did it with the Israelites. And don't think He won't do it with you. Proverbs 20.30 says, Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. I don't know how many of you found that to be true. Could be that's what's happening to your life today. And, and don't get me wrong, not all pain is God speaking to you. Not every hurt or ache you experience is, is God dealing with you. Some of it is. Sometimes God will use pain in order to slow us down and get our attention. David wrote the Psalm 119.67. I used to wander off. Until you disciplined me. Now, David was a shepherd. And he's, he's, always, he's looking at these sheep. And so he's, he's, he's bringing this into his... He's thinking about this. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now I closely follow your word. See, the shepherd had this, had this stick. And when the sheep would wander off, that shepherd could clobber. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He'd use that, that rod to whack the sheep to get his attention. He says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, until you whacked me with the rod. Now I closely follow your word. So apparently he learned a lesson that God was trying to teach him. C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures and speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When you're hurting, God is saying, hey, wake up. I want to tell you something. You don't have to suffer through this alone. There's somebody here right now that wants to help you overcome that issue in your life, that wants to deliver you. God's saying, you can depend on me. I'll help you through that tough time if you'll just let me. So, as we go through this book, listen real well. God wants to talk to you 
He's that great communicator. Like in the future, the last 20 years <laughs> it was God, not Ronald Reagan. Great communicator, and he wants to communicate to us that we need a Savior. So if you're here today and you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's what you need. That's what you have to start with. You receive Christ as your Savior, you only do it once, and you have Him for life. You don't have to come over and over and over and over again. He wants to save you from yourself, from that, that destructiveness, that destructive sin nature that, that is going on in your life. He's saying you need spiritual revival spiritual renewal. You've got to have that. You need that in your life. And God wants to renew us spiritually. You've got all the parts in place. Except for Jesus. You have it all together, but your spiritual life is out for lunch. God wants to renew you so you're going to be fit for a ministry that he has planned for you. God wants to renew you and save you from the junk that's in your life that's getting in your way of your relationship with him. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm overjoyed. That there was a day in 1973 that he took, reached down, and took this young pagan, talented but worthless young man, shook him up. Dusty Set him on higher ground. I'm going to make a preacher out of you, boy. <laughs> God, you, you know, I'm not going to say God's nuts, but boy, I, I, was, I, was a, I was a new Christian. So, hey, God, you're nuts. And he said, watch and see. Watch and see. So that's why I'm telling you, friends. Watch and see. Test God. You don't have to believe me. Testing to see if this is true. He's going to change you and shake you up, and you may not like to be the shook up, but he'll do it and make you new inside and out. Father, if there is one today that's here that does not know you as Savior, they have never, ever come to that place where they said, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and and in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life. Save me from my sin. Lord Jesus, I believe when you died on that cross, you died in my place, that I could have you in life. You pray that prayer, friend, you're going to be saved. Wonderfully. Miraculously. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with this thing, that you need spiritual renewal. You understand how God wants to, to renew you. How he wants to save you from yourself. You've tried it your way. 
and it isn't working out. You've tried it your way, and you've made a mess of things. You've tried it your way, and things are even worse than before you tried. I would encourage you, friends, ask that Jesus Christ would renew you from the inside out. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for our brothers and sisters today. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you loved us so much that you died for us. You love us so much that you've given us ministry. You've given us talents and abilities and passion to touch lives through your word, see lives change. Thank you for that, Lord. And help us to, to be the kind of person that you want us to be, man, woman, and child, be involved in kingdom building. I ask this in your son's precious name for his sake. And that was your only investment during that 20 years.